You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. And God, we come to you now. And would we behold you for the beauty, the awesomeness, the greatness of the God that loves us so much, cares for us so much, knows us so well, and sent his son to this world to live amongst, among us a perfect life and to die on the cross for our sin. And God, we look at our world and we see over the last number of months how the pandemic has just revealed the hopelessness that there is in this world, the insecurity that there is in this world without Christ. And then even the events of the recent days show again the brokenness as we see the racism, the injustice, the anger, the hurt, just people's emotions are just all over the place. And, and again, it just exposes the sinfulness of the human heart in God. We're all responsible We're all in this together, and we know that you care and you love each person. And God, I pray that even through your word and through the understanding of your great love towards us, that we as your church at Hope Kelowna and the church of Jesus Christ around the world would lead the way in showing love, in showing unity, in showing acceptance and care and concern for all people and knowing that the only answer that there is is the gospel. It is the word of God. And God, you call us to love. You call us to forgive. And that change starts with us, with your people. And so God, I pray that through your word today that we would see that even in our times of weakness and struggle how you have hold of us. And in turn, God, would we show that love to you and to others in meaningful and practical and life-giving ways. Bless our time in the word today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be able to meet with you. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, as we are continuing this series in the book of 1 Peter, and just thankful to the band, uh, maybe not Dwayne so much. Uh, you never know what he's going to pull off, but uh, just so thankful to the band and those serving. Uh, today, I believe there's about 13 or 14 people here uh, producing and being a part of this service and and uh, now it's even questionable Dwayne's kind of given it to me offline here uh, questionable if he's going to come back for that last song or not I, I guess we'll see anyways uh, uh, just so thankful again for what is going on and we anticipate and look forward to soon hearing some announcements about us being able to meet together as a church and uh, and we hope that that will be soon and again we're looking for people to sign up sign up to be able to serve once we start meeting and you can do that on that online connection card we actually didn't have many people sign up to help last week so we want to put that little um, bug out there that we're going to need help and uh, otherwise we won't be able to meet physically because we're going to need uh, the help of the body of Christ and so encourage you to sign up and be a part of that uh, so first Peter chapter 1 
I'm going to be reading right away here uh, on this, and, and I encourage you to not only have your Bible, so if you don't have your Bibles, go and get it now. You need your Bible, all right? You need to be uh, following along. It's really important to have a journal, a notepad, a piece of paper, a pen, because there's going to be points that we're going to be working through, as well as some scripture references I would encourage you to write down. Don't take my word when it comes to preaching, okay? I'm fallible. I am. And, 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 but God's word isn't. And so you need to study these verses we're looking at. You need to see them with your own eyes. I encourage you, I'm going to be giving a lot of references today. I encourage you to write those down and to study them this week yourself. See what God has to say. It's not so much what Pastor Melden has to say, it's what God has to say. And so for the reading of God's word this morning, I encourage you to follow along in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. And said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Back when we used to live in Alberta, and then even after moving to British Columbia for a few years, we would always go back around the July, long, July 1st long weekend to go to the Thorhild Rodeo. And uh, I'm telling you, that was a place of just uh, more backcountry hillbilly-ish than even the Armstrong Fair. And the main attraction for this, for us anyways, personally, was the... Uh, car demolition. Here's a little video clip of the demolition from a few years ago. And as you know, in a, in a car demolition, cars are smashing each other up until they're no longer drivable. And then the grand finale was this, what you see now on the screen, was the combine demolition, where they take old, old combines, and, and old farmers, I guess, would get it in there, and they would just start smashing them into each other, sometimes knocking them over, as you see, and, and, and just creating great damage. Oh, what fun that sort of thing was to do that sort of thing. Now, I share this story with you because in so many different ways, this is a picture of our world. Our world, in so many ways, just seems like a demolition derby. And I think we can go on uh, from that slide at this time. However, what we are seeing when it comes to the the world and the demolition derby, if you want to call it, um, we are seeing so much demolition and destruction. We watch... And, um, and, and, and we have been feeling the total effects of this pandemic that has uprooted and changed our world in so many different ways. And, and we are seeing the destruction that has come with that of economies and of just so many different um, things that have taken place. And now even more recently, <clears throat> the racism, the, the police brutality, the, the riots and the uprising and the anarchy and the division and the strife and the violence and the hurt and the anger and the confusion and, and the political rhetoric and, and all of this is a reminder to us that our world is broken. And, and though we went to the car demolition for entertainment, what we are seeing is not entertaining, it's concerning and it's troublesome and it's so sad. And we just see how broken and messed up our world is. This past week, I was able to go jeeping 
I guess that, I think that's the term that you call it. Uh, up in the Shoot Lake area, we, we went to Shoot Lake, Naramata, Corporation Lake, Big Meadow Lake, saw just some incredible scenes. You'll just see, we even hit the snow line. I think we are getting close to about 6,000 uh, feet uh, above sea level, so we're making um, some, some pretty good elevation there. And uh, just, just look at this last picture. Isn't that amazing? So beautiful. And, and it was a rocky road, but, and, and very challenging, even for the Jeeps. Even at one point, had to get the winch out and, and, and winch our way up part of a hill. And uh, just a lot of fun, and just so, so thankful I could go with El Breikreitz on that. But you know what? Whenever we stopped enjoying this beautiful creation, as you see here, we were being pounded with mosquitoes. I mean, they were huge. They were like the size of hummingbirds. Now, I might be exaggerating, but, but only slightly. And so many of them, and you're just swatting them and slapping them around on each other and, and, and all of that. And, and even a few times, I, I smacked Al in the face. I think his wife would, would thank me for that. And, 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 and as we were jeeping, it, it, was, it was so much fun, but the mosquitoes were just, just not making it fun whenever we stopped to enjoy the beautiful surroundings. And then even one of the guys that we were with, his Jeep broke down, and, and they had to do some uh, fixing with some duct tape in order to get it home so that it could get fixed uh, once again. And, and, and so, again, just even in that, even a beautiful afternoon out enjoying God's beautiful creation is a reminder to us that everything, everything is marked and stained by the effects of sin, of a sin-filled world, like mosquitoes, result of the fall. Adam and Eve weren't doing this in the garden. No way. And, and you know, or breakdowns of a Jeep, you know, like these are just part of the whole thing. And, and, and just in a small scale, but still in understanding way, everything is broken. There's so much brokenness, and, and that brokenness leads to hopelessness. Now, oftentimes, we look for hope or maybe an escape in things like food or shopping or entertainment or maybe we, we find it in our work and in satisfaction there in, in, or in vacations or in possessions or relationships or parties or in, in our career or in our success. We're looking for hope. We're looking for something that will just kind of take us to that next thing. Things that will provide oftentimes what we think will be a relief or, or, or happiness or joy or at least even a temporary relief and, and, and maybe experience some glory in it and the beauty of it and satisfaction. You know, like when you're going through a really hard week, of, but you know that Friday night is coming and you're just like, yes, I can, I, I can hold on. Or, or you're going through a tough time at work and you know, hey, I have a couple weeks vacation upcoming and and, and, and so we look for certain things to give us this temporary relief, but they won't last. They won't satisfy. Yet we continue to always run to them and pursue them, hoping that maybe sometime they will take. But it's almost like a dog returning to its vomit. It just makes no sense. We put our hope in people, but people will let us down. People will disappoint us. Even close friends, even family members at times may turn on us. And so dead or dying hopes can lead to disappointments. And that's what these are, what I've been describing. It leads to disappointment or depression or, or, or becoming angry or you know, jaded or cynical or perhaps withdrawn and just kind of want to just escape from everything. A poet wrote this, and I think it's rather interesting. My great hope is to laugh as much as I cry. Isn't that sad? My greatest hope in, in life is just to be able to laugh as much as I cry. 
where playwright Arthur Miller wrote this, maybe all one can do is hope to end up with the right regrets. That's a dead hope, isn't it? That's a dying hope. And yet the Apostle Peter, he is writing to Christians here about a living hope, a lasting hope, a permanent hope. He's writing to Christians who are suffering and who are struggling and, and, and they're holding on for hope. But he's writing about a hope that will last. Yes, these Christians are facing a growing opposition because of their faith and their commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, let's face it, for most of us here in North America, we are not suffering or losing our jobs or, or, or losing a lot of relationships or being disowned by our, our families or being ridiculed continually or persecuted physically because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Many in other parts of our world, they are. But, but for the most part, we are not experiencing that here in Canada at this time. And so we're not suffering in that way, but what we are is we're not suffering, but we're stressed. We're stressed, aren't we? Sitting on the couch today, you're already thinking about the things that need to happen this week, and you're going to wonder how this turns out. We're stressed about the busyness of life, even though maybe during this pandemic time, things have, have slowed down. But then we're also stressed about all the aspects of the pandemic. We're stressed financially. We get stressed about family, about our children or grandchildren or about our spouse, or, and, or, or we get stressed about, will I ever have a spouse? Or we get stressed about relationships and we get stressed about our health. And, and just so we are just a stressed out society. And, and yet there is hope. Whether we are suffering or whether we are stressed, there's a, there are principles in God's word that we are going to see today that God's word we see laid out here in three verses in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we can grab hold of. And I trust that we do grab hold of this. And, and these truths would, would resonate in our lives and, and become more real and more powerful and it would, would change the way we look at the hopelessness in our world and see that there is a living hope. And so today I ask you, are we pursuing, are we living, are we banking on a dying or a living hope? What is it that we are, are living for? And you and only you can answer that question. Remember, biblical hope is not like worldly hope at all whatsoever. Those are two different words. Worldly hope or, or two different meanings to them. The worldly hope is a fleeting hope. It is unsure. It's cross your fingers. Hopefully it will turn out. Biblical hope is a confident hope. It is to anticipate with absolute confidence. And this morning we are going to see three realities from three verses about this living hope that is found in Jesus Christ. These verses today, like last week, are loaded with important biblical and theological truth, and so I trust you, you, you follow along here closely. Here's the first reality about living hope. Living hope is right now. Living hope is right here, right now, available for you. Look at this, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now that word blessed, you may want to underline that in your Bibles, that word blessed, and you might want to write beside it, means praise, it means adoration, it means thankfulness. Right at the start here, Peter is telling us, get our focus vertical. Get our focus up on God and what he has done. And so he's, he's telling us here, blessed, he's blessing, he's praising, he's thanking God for what he has done. 
That, that word, blessed, is getting our focus on, on him, our eyes on our great Savior, our great God. And before we get all focused on the horizontal around us and the daily bombardment that we face, it's important that daily, even throughout the day, we get our eyes vertically, we get our eyes upward, thanksgiving, praise, rather than downward and on our troubles and our trials and our struggles that we're going through. Corey Tenboom wrote this, just a great godly woman who is now with Jesus. She said, if you look at the world, you will be distressed, which is so true. If you look within, you will be depressed. <laughs> but if you look to God, you will be at rest. And this is why Peter starts out by saying this right out of the gates. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we or anyone else, any other human being, are not the solutions for our problems ultimately. It's God. And so we need to start by getting our eyes fixed upon him. This is how we can experience living hope right now. It's by getting our eyes fixed on him. And, and here is why he is so worthy of our praise, of our adoration, of us blessing and thanking him. It goes on to say in verse 3, according to his great mercy. Now, now, the word grace and mercy are similar yet different, but they overlap. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And, and he, as he says here, he has caused us to be born again. Again, this continues on the theme from last week. And if you didn't listen to last week's message, you should listen to it online on our website. There's audio as well as there is the video version that is available now. And, and, so, and so I don't have to repeat that. Encourage that you remember that. Where, where we see and we talked about God is a saving God. That, that we didn't choose God. That God chose us. And, and Peter continues on with it in verse 3. He has caused us to be born again. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes that we were once dead in our trespasses and sin. Then in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And it goes on to say, by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, verse 12 says, we were once separated from Christ, having no hope of God. And then it says in verse 13, but now in Jesus Christ... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Our salvation, our living hope is a present reality and it is as a result of God causing this to happen. The language is so clear. God has caused us to become spiritually alive. We were once far off. We were once dead in, in our trespasses and, in, and our sin, but he brought us near into a relationship with him. And this hope comes to us through the proclamation of the living word. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, he even tells us that, 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 it, that the living hope comes to us through hearing and responding to the word of God. It comes to us by faith, putting our faith specifically in the word of God and in the gospel. And it's by understanding and this is so vital that we understand this. Every Sunday, love to repeat and to share the gospel. And, and what is the gospel? And, and how do we receive this living hope? It comes to us by understanding 
not just in our head, but then acknowledging that God is holy and that we are sinful and that there's no way on our own merit, on anything that we could ever do, that we could ever be reconciled with God. To have a right relationship with Him on our own merit, not going to happen. Because we are imperfect, we are sinful, we've been marked by the stain of sin. But God sent His Son, Jesus, to come live on this earth, to live as a human being, live a perfect life. He then died a substitutionary death, a sacrificial death, sacrificing himself. God sacrificed his own son on the altar, on the cross for, for, for you and for me. He died in your place, in my place. And then he rose again on the third day in victory. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical, undeniable truth. Jesus rose from the dead in victory, conquering sin and death once for all. And that is why we have a living hope. We rest and trust by faith in Jesus Christ in this way. And, and so as a result of this, we repent of our sins and we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as our Savior and asking Him to be our Lord, our Master. This is how we can receive living hope even today by acknowledging these things that I have just said here. And, and surrendering our heart, everything, to Jesus Christ. This is how we are reborn. How we are made spiritually alive. So, so again, as, as it continues in verse 3, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's why we have a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope that you can have right now. And if you are a child of Jesus Christ, you have that living hope right now. But you see, Christianity, to be born again, to have this living hope, isn't just some kind of little add-on into our lives. It's not like having, you know, a Costco membership or a gym or a Strata, you know, membership, wherever it might be that you live, or, or, or being part of like a social club or a drama or chess club. <laughs> oh, yeah, chess club. Anyways, it's totally different than that. It's not just another add-on into our life. It is our life. Biblical Christianity isn't just an add-on, nor is it just another worldview with some good ideas. It is a whole new way of life. It's a new way of thinking and living. And when we are genuinely in Christ, we receive a new nature. It, we are told in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. We experience the presence and the power of God. We are empowered, as we saw last week, by the Holy Spirit who changes us and transforms us from the inside out, changing our heart, changing our desires. As, as we reflect on who Christ was, as we consider his word, we look at his commands and we desire to live them out in our attitudes, in our thoughts, in our actions. And, and, and you see, but this doesn't just mean that, you know, once we're saved, we just kind of let go and let God. It doesn't mean that, you know, just kind of, you know, we drift along. No, it means discipline. It means we commit our lives to him and desire to follow him in obedience, declaring war, making war on the sin that just continues to, at times, pound our lives and tempt us and cause us to, to falter, we continue to, to press on. And in this process, we need the help of the body of Christ. We need the word of God. We need the body of Christ. These are graces that he has given to us. We need teaching. We need accountability. We need friendship. 
And he provides this to us through the body of Christ. And I love what God is doing in this regard here at Hope Kelowna. And we, we just encourage you to be part of the Thursday night prayer nights. And, and, and some um, of our small groups are winding down, but some are continuing on. And, and just how much we need others, then there'll be some opportunities for further growth and development even through the summer. And how we need that in our lives. And this is a process. Sometimes this process called sanctification, we again talked about this last week, it's tough, it's difficult. It's like riding a bicycle uphill. And, and if you're going to ride a bicycle, unless you have one of these e-bikes, you need to keep pedaling. And, and as we continue to pedal, as we continue to go, we make progress in our lives. And when we struggle and we become weak, God helps us through various ways, through his word, through worship, through his people, the power of his spirit in our lives. But a living hope is marked or lived out in Christ-likeness, in pursuing and growing in holiness. We'll see this further developed in, in the book here of 1 Peter as we get into it in the weeks ahead. But this is a living hope you and I can have right here, right now. Do you have it? You can have living hope today. Here's the second reality. Living hope is in the future. It is also a future hope. It's present, but it's also future. Look at verse 4. It says, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter is telling us about an inheritance that awaits the believer in Christ. This in, in, inheritance is unlike any earthly inheritance you could ever receive. And you may be fortunate, perhaps, to receive a generous inheritance that perhaps you were in, in, in a family member's or a dear friend's will. That's wonderful. But the inheritance that God gives to his children is far greater than any earthly inheritance we could ever receive. It, it says here it's imperishable, meaning that nothing can ruin, no one can ruin it. It can't be contested. It's undefiled, meaning that it can't be stained or cheapened in any way. And it goes on to say, unfading meant it will never wear out, it will never grow old, it will never be uninteresting. Instead, it will be amazing. God's word says that that inheritance, no eye can even conceive how beautiful and how amazing it will be. It cannot and it will not disappoint us in any way. There's a glorious victory and a glorious future waiting for us on the other side. You know, since COVID-19 started, I, I've really missed live sports, especially, you know, NHL playoffs, and uh, even right now would be the start. Friday night, actually, um, there would have been some football games on, and what makes it hard is that my two favorite teams, uh, which I won't mention because, you know, as a pastor, you should really try to be all things to all people, so I won't even say what those teams are. Oh, look, how did that show up? How, how amazing is that? Uh, well, both of my teams were really looking good this year and, and setting up for a good playoff run for, for that team on the right and a promising future and a hosting the Grey Cup for the other team. Again, didn't say the name of the team, I don't, I don't believe. You know, and, and so, so kind of missed that. But perhaps you've noticed, uh, if you still have checked those sports channels, they've been playing a lot of reruns. And, uh, and, and so they've been playing reruns of some of the best all-time games or best all-time series or different things like that. And I, I'm still waiting for the, the play, for the replay of the game where uh, Reimer got into a fight. Um, I heard he lost. A anyways, uh, anyways, 
whenever I see that uh, in, in the little channel guide or something that, that my, one of my two favorite teams is playing, I quickly do a Google search. And, and I've done this, honestly, a, a good number of times. And I do a little search to see, okay, is, does my team win? Does my team win this game? If so, I watch it. Or if so, I watch the PVR and just skip through the commercials. And, and I just love watching it knowing already that my team has won. No matter how hard or how difficult or, or how cheap the shots might be against my team or whatever, my team wins. Now, if I find out they lose, of course, I, I don't watch it or pay attention to it. But when, when I get to watch my team win, I just sit there and I watch right to the very end and I watch them either hoisting the cup or celebrating. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Loved ones, you need to know something here. That may just be a silly illustration, but you need to understand that no matter how hard, how bleak, how difficult, how much life on earth stinks for you, for your family, for this nation, for for us here in this world, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad the health, no matter how bad the trials, the suffering, the temptations, no matter how bad the relationships get, the marriage gets, the battle with sin wages on, the depression that we face, there is an inheritance waiting, and you win if you are in Christ. Jesus Christ wins the day, and he will win it every day in your own life. And for all who have this living hope, Look at what it says in verse 4, and this is so amazing. Kept in heaven for you. That word kept is a military term for being guarded and for being garrisoned. It's like an army surrounding a city and protecting it. Our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. Our inheritance, the salvation of our souls, eternal life in heaven, is kept safe, secure, awaiting our arrival. And why do we spend so much time chasing the things of this world, so concerned about our reputation, what other people are thinking? Why are we so concerned when we have a living hope, we have a sure hope that is in the present and it is also in the future? But this works us right into our third reality. Our living hope is secure. Look at verse 5. It says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our living hope, our inheritance is kept by God in heaven for us. But this also means that our living hope, our salvation is being securely guarded by God even now. Not just guarded in heaven for us, but he's even guarded right now. Our life, our faith in Jesus Christ has us so united with him that nothing, nothing, nothing will keep us from physically being united with him one day. Nothing. You see, salvation, again, it's God's work. He saves and he preserves his people to the end. We are, we are guarded by God's power, not our own power. I shared with a dear friend who lives in another province, who has just gone through turmoil and difficulty, her and her family just recently. And I said, you need to remember that there may be times that you feel you have lost your grip on Jesus, you have lost your grip on God, but because you're his child, he has his grip firmly on you. We are guarded by God's power. 
God is the one who saves, he's the one who sustains, and he's the one that keeps us. There are going to be bad days, bad weeks, bad seasons, maybe even some bad years. Maybe for the rest of your life here on this earth, it can be hardship and trial, a certain degree of loneliness or pain, whatever it might be. And yet God holds on to us. Even when it seems that we are letting go of him, he will not let go of us. The same God who saves you keeps you. There are going to be those times where we doubt. But you need to know that this isn't Meldon telling you this, even though I am. You need to hear it in a stronger vein from God himself, from his word. These verses in 1 Peter are some of the, among some of the strongest verses in the entire Bible regarding the security of our salvation as Christians. And why does Peter do this? He does this because, and isn't it funny that it's Peter the one writing this? The one who had some really bad days? He knows from personal experience that when facing and even failing in the midst of trials and suffering, we may doubt our salvation, we may give up, or we may lose our grip on Jesus. But he's come to realize that he won't abandon us. He won't abandon us. Jesus himself uses strong words on this subject. It's the whole tone of Scripture. He, he declares that our salvation isn't just a past event like when we gave our hearts to Jesus, we surrendered our lives to him. It's not just a past event. It's not just something that we experience in the, pres- in the future one day, but it's, it's in the present as well, and it is secure. It's not just a future reality of one day in heaven, but that this salvation is secure in Christ. Listen to the tone of God's word. Just listen to these verses, a very familiar one. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Notice that whoever believes in him, whoever genuinely puts their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ will never perish should not perish, but have already done deal, eternal life, it's there. John chapter five, verse 24, truly I say to you, to you, whoever hears my words and believes them, believes him who sent me, has, has, doesn't say will have, has eternal life. He, he, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from dead, death to life. Or in John chapter 6, and I hope you're writing down these references and and look them up and underline them in in, in the Word of God this week. Look at in John chapter 6 and verse 37, it says, All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. We can never lose it. John chapter 10, verse 27 to 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them, not I will give them, I give them, done deal, eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So not only do you have Jesus Christ saying, hey, I've got you, I give eternal life and you will never perish. And he says, you want to take it up a notch? Oh yeah, my heavenly father, he's got you as well. 
and no one will snatch, snatch them out of his hand either. That's a pretty powerful force, pretty powerful beings, pretty powerful gods, God the Father, God the Son, holding on to us. No circumstance, no person can snatch us out of his hand. There is such a sureness of our salvation. Our salvation is secured by his grip, not by our grip on him. So much of this and his, these verses, I'm just going to keep reading them because the best thing is to hear what God's word says, not Mel- Melden's word. But these verses, you just notice, they're, they're already, we're already positioned in place in, in God's mind. We're there. They're already, in the, it's mentioned as being in the past tense, Ephesians 2, 5 and 7. When, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in our trespasses, Christ made us alive together. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. He already sees us seated with him in heaven. He sees our salvation as a past tense. It's already happened. It's secure. Romans 8, 28, and and for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Again, he sees us there, past tense, in heaven. Glorified, in our glorified state. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. It's not on the screen. Encourage you to write that, that down. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise, and, to the praise of his glory. Or Romans chapter 8. 35 to 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. According to Paul here, we see Paul scouring the universe to find something or someone that will separate us from the love of God, but he comes up empty. Our living hope is past, present, it's future, and it is secure. Now, I know that this topic can make people uncomfortable at times, can make us squirm a little bit, this giving people this kind of assurance of salvation. And I say this very carefully and I say it very cautiously. You need to listen up. Because what can happen is that this can lead people to start to think, oh, I prayed a prayer. I even got baptized and, you know, kind of do the churchy thing a little bit, you know. Hey, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I can do whatever I want, when I want, with whomever I want, because I'm in. I'm saved. I'm secure. Pastor Melden said, God's word says it. And besides, it's a little easier to get forgiveness than permission, right? And, and, and a person could go around with this kind of greasy or, 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 or hyper-grace kind of theology. We just don't see this in God's Word. Now, some respond to this by thinking, you need a little fear. 
You need to heap on a little guilt. You need to create a little uncertainty with some people, you know, some rules. Keep people on track, keep them on the straight and narrow. Usually it becomes legalism. You need to dangle a little hell in front of people, otherwise they may lapse into areas of sin and worldliness. Plus, preachers need to preach on this because it keeps the offering basket a little fuller and keeps people serving. Keep on the guilt, keep on the pressure. It's just not right. Now, some might respond to this by thinking in this way, but listen up. Real, genuine, biblical Christianity is a life of obedience lived in response to these rich truths of salvation. You see, we love him. Our motivation is because he first loved us. And as Paul wrote, it is the love of Christ that constrains and compels him. He says that in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. You see, rules are pretty easy to sin against. But love is much harder of a thing to sin against. The band is going to be coming and we're going to be worshiping in a few moments, but it's important that you hear me out on this. A genuine salvation involves holiness. We're going to see that as we continue through this book of 1 Peter. But our holiness is a response to God's great mercy and love. And if I can give a word of warning, and I feel I need to in this, some of you may need to be listening carefully today to what we're saying here and what I'm going to say even right now. We need to see that, and we need to be careful that it's vital that you don't go walking through life and especially in your final moments here on this earth, whenever that might be, with a false sense of security either. Thinking, I profess Christ, I prayed a prayer, I was baptized, I served, I did this, I blah, blah, blah. But if your life hasn't been marked with an obedience towards God's word, again, not perfectly, but progressively in your life. You see, even James tells us that without, with, that a faith without actions, without works, without a living faith is a dead faith. Someone who is truly born again will be transformed, will change. Now, now oftentimes, that progression and that change is a lot slower than we would want. But it is impossible. We talked about this last week. It is impossible to come to Christ, to come into a relationship with Christ and have the Holy Spirit indwell in us and have no change take place or to have just little things, just kind of, just little things happen in our lives in that way. Again, not perfection, but progression in our lives. You may have trusted Jesus as your Savior, but is He your Lord? Some of you today, you're listening or you're watching and you've been greatly hurt and you've become cynical because Christianity is a bunch of rules that have just been jammed down your throat. I need to tell you I'm sorry. That's not what biblical Christianity is about. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. And I pray that you will see the gospel and you would see biblical Christianity is so different. It's a response. Our lifestyle and our pursuits, our desire for holiness is a response to his love. And then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to want to change and gives us power to change. My prayer is that we would see this as all a gift of God's grace to us. 
And as we sing here in a moment, and then we'll pray at the end of the song, I encourage you to worship the Lord if you have experienced and are experiencing this living hope. And that you would worship and you would proclaim, yet not I, but Christ in me. It is only in Christ. Do you know this living hope today? Have you settled this issue in your own heart? Is this a present reality in your life? It can be. I hope it would be. Today would be the day to make him your Lord and Savior, to call out to him, to be that Savior, to forgive you of your sins and commit your life to following him. Or maybe you've been a prodigal. Maybe you've kind of grown up in in the whole system, if you want to call it, but you've been rebelling, either just quietly or maybe very loudly. It's time to come home and settle that today.